again, it's good to be with you and uh, to be able to share from God's Word this morning. I wonder, <clears throat> have you ever had a conversation with someone where you find yourself talking about one subject and the person in their mind is listening on another subject and the two of you are just not communicating, you're actually miscommunicating? I find this is often true with my wife, Donna. <coughs> I find women, now maybe this is not a gender thing, but in our couple, <laughs> uh, Donna has a tendency to change subjects in the middle of a conversation. And I find it hard as a man to follow sometimes. Uh, maybe we'll be just talking about some subject like finances. And uh, so in my mind, I open the box of finances, begin to think about finances, when suddenly she says, uh, I think we should plan on going on vacation this year to, to the ocean. Well, I respond, it could be costly, but uh, maybe we can find some place where we can have uh, someone and find a, a cheaper place to stay. And she says, well, you're always concerned about finances. And my answer is, but I thought that was the subject we were talking about. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about going on vacation. <laughs> and I think, when did we change subjects? <laughs> now, maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe you can't identify with what I just explained. But I've noticed that there are differences between men and women, even though in our world today they try to tell us that's not true. <laughs> but uh, when there's a group of women, my wife is a part of a Bible reading, or not a Bible reading, a reading group. They're non-Christians. And uh, I have come in the house uh, at the end of some of these discussions, and uh, I have a terrible time following uh, where they're going or what they're talking about. But they all seem to know what they're, what they're talking about, but I get a little lost. I don't know if you find that true. But I'd like to look at a passage this morning where we see the exact same thing. Jesus is talking with his disciples, and they are miscommunicating. <laughs> The disciples are not on the same wavelength as Jesus. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, I'd like to read a couple verses uh, from a very well-known passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000. John chapter 6, let's begin with verse 1. He says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near, like today. <laughs> when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? This is a very important verse. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So what is Philip's answer? Verse 7. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many people? Let's stop there for a moment. I find it interesting. <coughs> we have this dialogue going on between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus asks a question. Where? The disciples answer, how? <laughs> J 
Jesus wants to know where they can buy bread for this number of people. And Philip responds, how are we going to pay for it? Now, I've read this passage many, many, many times. And it seems very insignificant at first. But I've come to believe this is very fundamental. And it explains a truth that we have embraced in our ministry in Ex Libanus Plain. You see, Jesus asks here a where question. And he asks us the same. Where are we going to take the gospel? Where will I find a messenger to take the message? But I'm afraid too often the answer is, but how? How can I do this? I don't have all the, what I need. How is this going to be possible? The where question with a how answer. Have you noticed that? Jesus wants to know where he can find somebody crazy enough to trust him to do what he's already decided to do. Did you notice that in verse 6? He already knew what he was going to do. It was, this was just to test his disciples. When I saw this subtle difference between where and how, I understood that for us to wait to take the gospel to the city of Exleban, we actually had already wasted time because we were looking for how we were going to do this, how we were going to pay for it. <laughs> and not where should we be going following what Jesus wanted us to do. Now, in the text here, we find that these people were hungry. Now, let's think about us today. I've missed a meal now and then, not too often. <laughs> I have fasted and prayed. I know what it means to be a little hungry, but frankly, I've never known real hunger. And from the looks, you either. <laughs> what a strange culture I think we live in here in America. Isn't it true? It's the only place in the world, I think, where a young person can go to the refrigerator, open the door, it's packed full of food, it's almost falling out of the refrigerator, and close the door and say, there's never anything to eat in here. <laughs> or we say, oh, I'm just starving. Really? <laughs> Do we know what that means? At our bakery in France, they don't want to sell day-old bread. And the reason is, if you sell day-old bread, you've got to sell it cheaper. And they're afraid the people then won't buy the fresh bread. <laughs> we live in a culture of too much bread, wasted bread. But Jesus entered a culture in a world that was different than ours. They knew hunger. I've been in Africa many times. My two sons are working there in Senegal and in Togo. And I have seen people who know hunger. Not like us here in America. And I wonder, maybe that's why Jesus went into the desert for 40 days, to know hunger, to know the people he was going to minister to and what they were going through, a hungry, a thirsty world. Remember the prayer that Jesus taught, and in that prayer he said, give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> almost seems ridiculous for us today. Who doesn't have a little bread? And this is why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And what great news for a hungry world. I'm afraid we miss the impact of this story 
that we just read in John chapter 6. Because we have no idea what it means to be really hungry. Jesus came to a hungry, thirsty world, and he offered hope. Now, when you read in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, they tell the same story. And they explain why Jesus wanted to get away with his disciples. Matthew explains that their hearts were heavy because Herod had beheaded John the Baptist. And Mark adds that they were close to burnout for ministry. But that the crowds followed them and Jesus had compassion. But the disciples were upset with the whole idea. The whole idea. They were frustrated, almost maybe bitter about all this crowd. <laughs> and it was time to send them home. The disciples see it's late, time to end the conference and send everybody home. But Jesus, he has compassion. He wants to do something for this crowd. And in verse 5, it shows that Jesus initiates the conversation. And in verse 6, he tells the reason. Because he was testing them. He was helping them to grow in their faith. He already knew what he was going to do. But then Philip says, this would take nearly a whole year's salary to buy bread for this hungry crowd. This dialogue we have between Jesus and Philip, I think is key to understanding the text and what he's saying. Jesus asks a where question. Philip responds on a whole other level and how answer. He sees a budget question. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid there are a lot of us who miss the invitation that Jesus gives to join him in his mission to this broken, hungry, and needy world. Because when he asks, where? Where will I find someone? We respond, how? That's impossible. <laughs> how can I do anything? He says, where can I find someone to stand up and say, yes, here I am. And we hear the question and respond, how can I ever afford to do that? It's not possible. And what we're really saying, when we respond in that way, what we're really saying is, God doesn't have the answer to a broken, needy, thirsty, hungry world. We reduce the response to our level of intelligence, abilities, and resources. Like that. You see, that's not the response that God blesses. When God asks us, asks us something, we can already see he really wants to do it. That's why he's asking it. He wants it to be done. He's testing us, verse 6 tells us. And I'm afraid we miss, we risk missing God's call today because we're concentrating with the how. And we're not concentrating on the where does he want us to go to do what? And I think if I can encourage you this morning, be ready, be listening to the where question. Sometimes people ask us, how in the world did you get all four of your boys to be missionaries? <laughs> like it was all up to us. It's not up to us. That's a God thing. We don't know how that happened. 
except God is good. <laughs> we simply taught our four sons never to be stopped by logistics or structure. To always respond, God, I don't know, but here I am. I'm ready to do what you want, where you want. I find it difficult even today to be around Christians that always block everything you want to do that you think God wants you to do because of finances, because of strategies, because of logistics and structures. And we live in a world, especially in America, where those things are so important. So Jesus asked this big question. <laughs> and what happens? A little boy steps up in that big crowd and he answers, <laughs> here's my lunch. It's not much, but it's yours. Take what I have. Interesting. Jesus needs nothing more. He doesn't say, hey, that's not bad. A good start. Give me about 100 of these sandwiches and uh, we'll be ready. <laughs> Here's a boy who's ready to give what he has. Not much. That's all Jesus needs. And friends, I think it's incredible what can happen if even one person is willing and ready to move by faith and say, <laughs> I don't have much. I'm not gifted. But here's what I have. Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want. I don't know about you, but as I said before, personally, I've never known real hunger. I like to eat, and I think, you know, if I was that boy in that crowd, what would my response have been? I think if I had enough sense to come with my lunch, <laughs> I would have looked for a way to get out of there and quick and with my lunch. <laughs> but amazing. This boy understands, and he gives what he has to Jesus. Jesus starts with the sacrifice of one small boy, and the kingdom grows. And the disciples, they get on board and begin to distribute the food. And the crowd sees a demonstration of what Jesus has just been teaching, that he is Lord, Lord of all. You know as I think about this story, I think there are really two things that are needed to advance the kingdom of God. First thing is, obviously, someone to say, here I am. I don't have much, but what, it, what I have, it's yours, Lord. I'll give what I have. And then the second thing is other people to follow along and say, wow, okay, I want to be involved too. I want to get on board. I want to participate. And they began to serve like the disciples did as Jesus began to pass out the food. And they said, let's serve the people. That's what happened. That's what happened to our ministry in France as we began the church in Notre-Dame. More and more people. In fact, we just got, as you saw in the, in the little video thing, uh, we have received three new couples People who are asking to come and work with us because they see what God is doing. And there are so many churches in France or, or places that they're asking for workers. And people <laughs> called me and they said, you know, uh, what's the deal? You're collecting all the people in Aix-les-Bains. <laughs> I said, 
think it's because they see what God is doing and they want to get on board, just like the disciples passing out the food. So do you have that attitude? Lord, here I am. I'm ready. What I have is yours. See, when the kingdom advances and people say yes to God without looking for excuses, without reducing the kingdom of God to our strategies, our abilities, our resources, but simply saying yes to God, as improbable as it may seem, three things happen that we see in this story. The first, everyone is filled. Did you notice that? Everyone is filled. The text says they all received and were filled, verse 12. But also nothing was wasted. They picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, verses 12 and 13. They gathered them, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of, of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Everyone is filled, nothing is wasted, and then verse 14 tells us that the blessing overflowed. He says, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. See, the blessing just flows out from them. But you know what? I found the opposite is also true. If you try to calculate and resist the question, where? If you evade God's mission to reach out around you, to reach out to a lost world, number one, you're never going to be satisfied. Isn't that interesting? You'll never have what you want or what you think you want. Number two, it's going to be a lot of waste. Out of waste, wasted energy, wasted finances, even wasted people. And number three, you won't have something left to share with others. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is asking us this morning a where question. Be careful not to change his question to a how question. I know our first reaction, and I'm a part of it. This is, well, no, it's not possible. This is crazy. I'm not ready. It can't be done. <laughs> I think of going to a new city in France and confronting all the opposition to start a new church. <laughs> but if you start to question and count the things you don't have that you think are necessary, you're going to miss the opportunity that God is giving, opening the door, knowing that he already wants to accomplish. If this boy hadn't respo responded with his lunch, I wonder, what would have happened that day? Well, you say, well, someone else would have come up with some food. <laughs> Probably Jesus wouldn't have left them alone. But I think we need the faith and the will of this boy to say, <laughs> I have no idea how you can do anything with this small lunch. It's so little. But here I am. Here's what I have. It's yours. Take it and bless it. And the more you live like that, the more God can bless you and satisfy you 
Everyone is filled. <laughs> the less waste there's going to be, and the more you'll have to share with other people. That's a principle in God's word. We don't always understand it, but when we begin to practice it, the results are there. You know, when I think of going into a city in France and starting a church, I think, who am I? You know, we have some people come that they're so talented. They've gone through so many trainings and everything else, and here they are, and they're going to come and start a church. And a year or two later, where are they? I don't know. They're, they're gone. What happened? And yet, God, <laughs> we've been there 45 years, and every time I say, well, I can't do this. But it's not a how question. It's a where question. Where will I find someone? Actually, the question come down, comes down to who? And here's a boy who says yes. God is asking where today? Right here at Grace Baptist Church. Where will I find someone maybe to help with these Ukrainian refugees? <laughs> you see, our city in Aix-les-Bains has been solicited. And it's so funny, it's been since we've been here, we've only been here for a couple weeks, but since we've been here, this has happened, and the city has solicited our church, a church of 60 people in a city of 50,000 people, to be in charge of where these people are going to be uh, helped and housed. And the first question I saw, because I've been watching the correspondence, and the first question of our, our leaders is, well, how can we do anything? <laughs> The how, the how answer. But now they realize that's not the answer they need to give. And they're on their way praying for God's direction, putting together ideas to make it happen. And I think, wow. It's exciting. I think we're like the little boy with the lunch trying to help a situation that is just beyond us. But with God's help, the door is open. But don't we find the same thing all throughout Scripture? The Old Testament, where will I find someone to defeat the Philistines and this giant? <laughs> Our response, who can do that? How can we fight against giants? And David steps up. The nation stood before the promised land that God had given to them. And they said, how can we do this? We're just a bunch of grasshoppers, they said. But God had already promised victory. What is God calling you to do today? I know he's looking for someone willing to say, yes, here I am. <laughs> I don't have much. This is all I have. What I have, Lord, I want you to have. It's yours. And when he asked the question to you this morning, Please don't answer with, how can I do anything? <laughs> I don't have the finances. I don't have the training. I don't have the abilities. Don't confuse the where question with the how question. The response to where should be right here. I'm ready. I'm yours. What I have is yours. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you can take a, a small boy's lunch and feed thousands and thousands. 
And we know this is not just one experience of the past, but today you're doing it around the world, even through situations of war, through situations of difficulty, but people who have said yes, who are willing, and are not saying, how can I do it, but are saying, here's what I have, where do you want me to go? And so I pray this morning that you would touch our hearts, each of us, to answer correctly and be willing in Jesus' name.